Filipino Fridays podcast. I'm your host, Archie. OJ and Archie are off this week. And, you know, like many of us still in COVID times, maybe some of us are stuck at home, you know, when stay at home, place orders, quarantine time, curfews, government restrictions going on, trying to stay socially distant. And maybe some of us, we miss the club, right? We miss going to the raves, going to the music festivals, bumping music at the bar. Well, today is going to be a treat for you. We got the 2019 Canadian beatboxing champion, the 2019 Great North Tag Team Beatbox Champion, and the vocal percussionist for a cappella, Vino Kowenka. This episode is so fun, y'all. You know, we hear a little bit about his upbringing, how it's like to not follow the Filipino stereotype, getting into the beatboxing and following his journey, and also what it's like dating as a beatboxer. If you listen to the episode all the way to the end, it's going to be a banger y'all highly recommend you listen on headphones or you know if you want to make it seem like you're at the club you know bump it out on your sound system it's going to be a fun episode now we want to talk a little bit or i guess i want to talk a little bit about uh, why the episode is named the fifth element well in the elements of hip-hop there's different elements there's lyricism or emceeing there's DJing there's b-boying breakdancing graffiti the historical knowledge and of course the fifth element is beatbox so we're going to learn lots about beatboxing and vocal percussion it's going to be a fun ride so thank you so much for continuing to listen to Filipino Fridays podcast don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Filipino Fridays podcast if you have any feedback, suggestions, or if you just want to give us a shout out, uh, make sure to send us an email at contact at filipinofridays.com. We'd also like to thank our partners, Potato Corner BC, for continuing to support this podcast and CITR 101.9 FM. If you're running on Filipino time and you're located in the Vancouver area, catch our episode every Monday at 11 a.m. on CITR 101.9. Thank you so much, guys. Enjoy the episode. So thank you so much, Pino, for joining us. Please tell everybody who you are, what you're doing, and yeah, do the damn thing. All right. Um, what's up, guys? It's Vino. Um, I am uh, the Canadian beatbox champion, first and foremost, um, from Surrey, British Columbia, or Vancouver, Metro Vancouver area. 22 years old, currently at UBC for sociology. Um, and for breakfast, I had Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And that's everything there is to know about me, pretty much. That's awesome. So thank you again for jumping on the podcast. We're so excited to have you on. Um, obviously, super cool. You're the beatboxing champion, you know, rep Canada and so many international, national competitions. Um, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about like how you got into beatboxing. When did it, you know, what age were you when you got interested into it? Um, so I think I, my first like formal introduction to it was when I was nine, um, like way, way back in the olden days of the internet. Like I think the way that people would share viral videos was like, there was like this, you could download like viral videos on your iPod shuffle and just watch them. 
it was like a compilation. So my dad downloaded one and then among them was like some uh, beatboxer from Japan. And then he showed it to me and I was like nine years old. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I need to learn how to do this. <laughs> and um, I mean, like maybe for like a couple months I got into it. But again, as you're nine years old, your attention span is like the length of a twig. So I just got back into like Pokemon cards or something. But then I rediscovered it again when I was like 14. Um, that's when like pentatonics kind of blew up, you know, like the acapella group. And, um, yeah, I saw their beatboxer and I was like, wait a minute, I remember I can kind of do this. And like, um, as I slowly went down the rabbit hole, I started looking up more tutorials on beatboxing. And then I got recommended like all these videos of competitive beatboxing, like and internationally. And I was like, this is, this is awesome. And I didn't know at that point if I wanted to actually do it, but I was like, I definitely want to be more a part of this community and kind of invest myself in it. This is yeah, like before cool. like, a, like a world star and YouTube and stuff. You got to find. Oh yeah. It was before yeah. that. Yeah. Oh man. That's Super really niche. Dope. And with that, like, obviously you got interested. It resonated with you. You just thought it was just so dope. But like, when did you start thinking about beatboxing competitively? Well, the thing is, I actually, <laughs> I actually never, um, ever considered myself doing competitions ever because like I don't know I just never uh, um I never thought of myself as being that good um and then so then what I realized one of my friends was telling me he was like you know if you submit a video to Canadian champs like regardless of whether or not you get in they're gonna post the video on their YouTube channel so if you want to like get get out there and just let people know that you're a beatboxer from Vancouver just in general like not for the purpose of competing like that's a great way to do it and I was like perfect I'll just submit a video probably not gonna get in and then then hopefully people will know that there are people in Vancouver who beatbox because I didn't know any other one, anyone else in Vancouver who did. And then I submitted a video and then I <laughs> got in accidentally. And that was in 2016. And then I was thinking, oh God, now I have to <laughs> buy a ticket to Toronto, come up with all these uh, battle routines and get ready for this competition. That's going to be like on YouTube and it's streamed and stuff. But yeah, that's essentially where I am with that now. And um, I can't really, you know, that's where the career kind of led me. And now I fell down that rabbit hole of just becoming a competitive beatboxer that's pretty cool you know you kind of accidentally you know got into it um what i thought was really interesting is um you know in our previous episodes we talk about how it's like uh, a lot of filipinos they kind of doubt themselves or they kind of just like when you mention like oh, i didn't really think i was good enough i'm like thinking i'm like bro you're so filipino <laughs> you totally thought we're like oh no it's cool we always downplay cool. ourselves yeah. Well, I think for me specifically, it was primarily because like, like, you know, it's like a very classic Filipino stereotype that you're musically talented in some aspect. But growing up, I never like I'm not a I'm not an amazing singer. I can barely carry a tune like I um, I wasn't exceptionally good at any of the musical instruments that I played. Like I gave up <laughs> learning how to play guitar because I wasn't that great at it. Like I wasn't super amazing at playing drums or the saxophone in high school. So I just kind of thought like in terms of music, I was like music is like an interest for me. It's not like an actual passion that I can get into. But then as I started, you know, doing beatboxing more, I realized like, oh, wait, I actually might be kind of good at this. And yeah, now here I am. So if you can't play an instrument, beatbox. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, like I started drumming. I taught myself how to drum. I took a couple lessons, but mainly YouTube lessons. Um, and then, yeah, and then I started drumming with my mouth. So how long did it take you to like get to the level where you're at? where you become a champion like what how long did it take for you to be comfortable well it i didn't st yeah so i didn't start 
I think the first time I ever performed on stage, like not even competitively, but just to like perform beatboxing on stage live was when I, when like 2015 or 14. So I was like 15 years old or something. And yeah, it, it, it's weird because you have to kind of, there's like a balance between making a beatboxing for like a competitive crowd versus beatboxing for just like the general public. So that was like a kind of balance I had to find. And, um, and like make a dip, like, because I would perform around like Richmond and stuff. And, um, and then when I started doing it competitively, I realized that the, the, the demographic is completely different and what, what the crowds, you know, react to is very different. So I had to like, uh, watch a lot of beatboxing videos and see what the crowds liked and talk to more beatboxers and see what they like to kind of, um, cultivate like a, something that like a beatboxing competitive crowd would really get into. And that kind of took like, I want to say like three years or any, like from 2016 to 2019 is kind of when I competed a lot, I went to Toronto a bunch and, um, yeah. And it, it, it was really just a lot of <laughs> staring at myself in the mirror and like being like, Oh, that's a good sound. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, don't give me a little snippet like that, man. That's on a dope. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you um, but yeah, no, that's, that's pretty much where we, how it, how practicing works. Like I don't, um, this isn't like a, like a flex or anything, but I don't actually like, set aside time to, to practice. I just kind of look humble at myself in the mirror. And I'm like, flex, humble flex. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good sound. But what if I go like, Oh, that's a good sound too. And then I'll just like, like on my voice memo app, 90% of them are recorded in the shower. So you can just hear like water in the background. And it's just me being like, okay, this is a good concept. And then I'll just save it for later. And that's, and that's how I come up with most of my stuff. So. Oh, damn. Yeah. Is the, is the beatboxing scene in Vancouver, like, is it on its way? Because I feel like Toronto is always in anything, whether mm-hmm. the, the scene's at, it's always ends up being in Toronto, out east. Yeah. Like How was it breaking into the beatboxing scene here and then eventually leveling up to Toronto, then eventually leveling up to Champ, and then hopefully one day becoming a, you know, international thing? Right, yeah. So when I first started beatboxing, there was... I only knew of like three or four other beatboxers here in Vancouver and maybe only out of two of them, out of the four of them or five of them, only two of them really took it like really took it seriously as something that they wanted to do competitively. So, and that's kind of the main reason why I wanted to uh, send a video to at least get featured on the channel because I was like, I want people to know that there are people in Vancouver who actually do this because it's such a niche thing, right? You can't just go to a community center and find other beatboxers. As I started competing more, I also joined, um, UBC's acapella club. And because of that, I was connected with more people who were not necessarily as passionate about beatboxing as I did, but they knew what it was and they had some experience and exposure to it. So using like the fact that I am one of the few competitive beatboxers from Vancouver and the fact that I had like this tiny, like unsupported network of people who had interest in it, I was like, I want to take this and use it. And like, I want to win eventually the Canadian champs so I can inspire other people in Vancouver to also become like this thing. And then eventually, yeah, we, we got to that point um, in 2018 when I, I got second place at Canadian champs. And then when I came back, I was like, we need to hold a Vancouver beatbox battle, like a formal one where there's judges and there's a whole comp competitive like structure to it. And we did. And we've, we've had two so far. We had one in 2019 and then we had one in earlier this year before COVID. <laughs> and yeah, it was, it was great. And yeah, compared to Toronto, it's, it's even now, even after we're like fostering it on and all here locally, like Toronto is just, they've been doing it since like, since before YouTube, 
They've been doing it since like early 2000s. And, you know, hip hop in general, there is super big. It's kind of like the New York of Canada in that sense. So it's 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 way bigger in the East. And that's why I love going there so much, because it's you can feel the passion for it. So. Well, I know for me, well, I, I got a question for me. I'm very into EDM. I go to raves. I go to music festivals. And so I have a good like list of DJs that I like. So I wanted to ask you if you have any like inspiration or like from any DJs coming up. I know because I know beatboxing is pretty much like a lot of EDM. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like one of my one of my most popular beats that I, that I, that I've come up with is a cover of, do you know, baby, no money. Mm. Yeah. He's from Vancouver, actually super local dude. And, um, yeah, he, uh, he has that song, la la la, which I like kind of blew oh, up on yeah. TikTok. But yeah, I did a cover of that beat. I kind of remixed it and it's like one of my most popular beats, but yeah, baby, no money is definitely one of my, um, biggest influences in terms of that. Yeah. I mean, I did have my dubstep phase back in like 2013. Everyone else did, but yeah, as like, so I, because of that, I have like, there's a little bit of Skrillex in me there's a little bit of dead mouse but now it's like as i think mainly because of beatboxing i have like this appreciation for like you know experimental rhythms and 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 really like just really strange sounding music so i have like this i've cultivated like this niche spotify music taste for like weird experimental djs like chromo nichi and and like chuck sutton and stuff like that so really like crazy underground artists but yeah those are those are kind of the main inspirations really experimental funky stuff like that that's awesome we should get you connected with our other guest uh he is a dj in the philippines based in manila who who actually does experimental music as well so cool. i think there'll be a really cool collaboration between our guests. yeah that'd be sick <laughs> yeah well you know you can't just talk about it without dropping a little sample. So, until, you know, we're going to continue with some of our questions. But, yeah, do do a little snippet out of that um, Baby No Money remix. Yeah, oh, no, sure. When I'm back, just don't hold them bed and bed. Just a little bit of bam, just on own bed and I shine my rishi go like sha 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 la 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 sha 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 la 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 how I strive like La 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 How I tried like Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like it's like about vocalizing and, and like controlling your nose and your mouth at the same time, but yeah. Joseph Pulpo, he did the yeah, super classic. Everyone, every beatboxer knows that. To this day, it's still one of the most popular beatbox videos. It's a classic. Everyone knows it. Yeah, beatboxers will say like, like I don't know if you've seen that Filipino guy. Actually, I think it was like Asia's Got Talent or something. His name is Neil, and he goes like, I'm gonna do five sounds at the same time. Not to debunk it, but that's technically impossible. You can't do five sounds at the same time. You can do them in rapid succession, but realistically, you can only do two sounds at a time, but you can make it seem like you're doing multiple sounds at a time. So like, I got like, there's this, this thing, it's like two beats, one mouth where it's like, 
what you're really just doing at, at any at any given moment in that beat i'm only doing two two sounds at once but it's just like progressing with multiple so it's like polyrhythms you, you you get used to it in your head you're like okay internal math you're like okay i do it on this beat and then I do these two at the same time so it kind of adds up to being like five sounds at a time but it's not it's only two but yeah you can make it sound like it my mind is blown sure. i think like um i think beatboxing is actually one of the most intelligent things there are out there because like you're conceptualizing as you go especially when you're yeah. especially with your style like you don't like practice you don't like you know you kind of create these experiments uh, of rhythms and beats and sounds you know as you go and so to kind of like you know, quick style, like put them all together at the same time. And then also think of how to transition to the next kind of Mm -hmm. bar and then have that sound differently and remix it and have it all within like, you know, a few minutes. It's like, it blows my mind. Like it's one of the most intelligent things I think people could do. So as you know, as much as people think it's like so dope, you know, it's so cool. It's part of that hip hop uh, rap subculture, along with like apparel, uh, along with breakdancing, along with obviously beatboxing. But beatboxing is like, you know, is a different kind of technicality where you got to really, you know, think about it critically or thoughtfully in your head, like as you're going. And I think it's just one of the most intelligent intelligent things that you know there is out there so kudos to you man that's yeah, thank you so, so much awesome. it's, it's just mouth noise but thank you so much <laughs> yeah that's so dope no obviously like you uh, taught you told us a little bit about kind of the basics or the foundation of what comes into you know creating the beats like what is some of your advice for those who are looking to get into beatboxing who are you know who are interested in it but kind of unsure or um you know unless they have like absolutely no rhythm <laughs> what would you what would you uh what would you say to them or what would your advice be um well one of the main things that I've that motivated me was um, uh, especially in the beginning was like just exploring the Internet and then seeing like competitive beatboxers and like looking and just watching them and being like and kind of like picking out sounds that you think are really cool and and then trying to learn them yourselves. Because, yeah, like obviously there's the drums like the but then like when you when you like look beyond that and like look at like vocal techniques there's like throat singing there's inward bass singing you know like you can like it's crazy because you you don't even realize that like oh humans can like drop their voice by two octaves by using this throat technique you know and 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 then and, and it sounds so weird but then eventually you're like it's clearly humanly possible and if if they can do it I at some point will be able to do it if I try hard enough so yeah and that's that's essentially what I did another thing that I that I keep in mind is uh when it comes to beatboxing I think one of my friends one of my other beatboxing friends told me this he's like when it comes to like cultivating your own beatbox style it's like you listen to music and the way that you beatbox is the way that you express the music that you enjoy in your own style so it's it, that's kind of the way that I motivate myself as well. Whenever I hear like a song I like, especially with me, like a lot of my stuff is derivative of like uh, some of the songs that I really enjoy, like the La 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 beat and stuff. And then so I take that, but then I put my own like spin on it with the sounds that I know that I can do. Like I, I implement those into the beat so it sounds cohesive or at least as cohesive as it can. And yeah, that's top 10 tips. <laughs> there you go. Dope. Now, um, you know, we're going to change it up a little bit here. And obviously you're Filipino Canadian. <laughs> you want to talk a little bit about identity. Um, I think you shared with me an experience that you had once competing 
you know, about somebody kind of almost calling out like, yo, you're Filipino. How come you're not repping, you know, the Philippines? I get that a lot. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about the conflict of like what it means to be Filipino ethnically Mm -hmm. uh, by your heritage competing as a Canadian and kind of, you know, what challenges you face in that when you're competing? Yeah. Like, um, it's crazy because, uh, in Canada, I think we've only had one non-Caucasian person win the Canadian champions, Canadian championship for beatboxing. I think you guys might know him. Korean effects. He like kind of blew up. He was on Ellen. I think he's like this Korean guy from Toronto. Um, he was like the only person to ever win Canadian champs that wasn't Asian or that wasn't white. And other than me. So when I, when I won it last year, it was it was crazy because I got, I got a lot of comments, a lot of the comments on like my, my videos where I'm battling and stuff is like, they'll say like, Oh, he's half Filipino or like he is Filipino. Like why doesn't he compete in the Philippines champ or something like that? And it's, uh, I don't know. It's really strange because obviously like I was born and raised in Canada and like Vancouver specifically. So it's not that I don't identify with, uh, like being Filipino at all, but it's just like, that is a huge part of my identity is being Canadian and, 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 obviously ethnically I'm Filipino, but like, it's like I'm competing in Canadian champs for a reason kind of thing. And so then I get a lot of these, these, uh, comments saying that like, Oh, he's like half Filipino or he's like, cause it, it, I stand out a lot too. When people say, when, when I get announced on stages and stuff, it's like Vino from Canada. And it's like this tiny Asian kid. And they're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> cause like all the previous champions in Canada have been like these six foot two, like white dudes. And I'm like, and then I'm standing next to them like, what's up? But yeah, no, it's it's definitely like a, a huge contrast. And um, yeah, to this day, like I'll still get like like majority of um, my fans <laughs> in the beatbox community. They'll, they'll they're like dudes from the Philippines who will be like, Kuya, I love your I love your content. I love your beats. Like, come to the Philippines, please. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> I'm Canadian. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's that's a it's something that I get a lot for sure. And then, like, obviously, there's still love in the fact that, like, you know, you are Filipino-Canadian, you're representing Canada, but it doesn't take away from the fact that you are Filipino. Yeah, absolutely not. Exactly. uh, I feel like people think it's, like, mutual, like, you can only have one or the other, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, we're all, like, especially for my co-host and I, like, we're born here, or definitely, uh, we're proudly Filipino, and uh, it doesn't take away the fact that, you know, we're less Filipino and we always kind of spread the message that uh, me doing this and representing Canada doesn't make me less Filipino. If anything, it's actually pretty cool because I am from Canada and ethnically I am Filipino compared to these previous champions, right? Like I made a way for myself. I put my, like my stamp here as somebody who is, you know, non-white, who is Asian, who is Filipino repping Canada. If anything, that just shows the multiculturalism and, you know, how that is, how being ethnically diverse is welcomed here. So yeah, and like, I just thought it was really interesting that there are some people who are like, oh, no, like why, why isn't he repping Philippines? Like, yeah. Like he's Filipino. Like, why is he up in Canada? The it, you know, that doesn't take away from the fact that I'm Filipino. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
So, but yeah, you know what? We'll dive into that a little bit about the Filipino culture and your Filipino identity. So what was it like um, growing up? Like you, I think we we did a little call previously and you mentioned that it's like, okay, well, I kind of got into things that aren't stereotypically Filipino. Yeah. um, We'd love to hear about that. Kind of share a little bit about your upbringing and share about, you know, kind of the hobbies that you did that didn't... Exactly, you know, put you in the <laughs> Filipino stereotype. Yeah, like, like I got a lot of, like, I think my whole family, not my whole family, but like my immediate family, the one that I live with right now is like very not stereotypically Filipino. I hate saying that because it's like, ugh, I'm just like not like the other Filipinos, but I, I really like growing up, like I, I, like I didn't, um, I did no musical like extracurriculars other than like casual guitar lessons every now and then, but then I realized that I suck. So I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, the sports that I did, I suck at basketball. I can't do sports that have balls in them. Like I'm really bad at that. Um, the sports that I did was um, fencing. <laughs> I did competitive fencing growing up, which I was the only Asian kid there. Um, so that that was a that was a thing too. Um, I guess Ultimate is pretty Filipino, especially like recently. A lot of kids in Vancouver, a lot of Filipino kids doing Ultimate. So I did that. But yeah, like even. Uh, like, like I would, I would be growing up and a lot of my friends would ask me like, dude, are you gonna, you gonna go into nursing or something? Like you're going to go in. Yeah. It's like, what, like what med school are you going to? You're going to UBC Okanagan for the nursing program. Right. I'm like, dude, I'm studying sociology at UBC. What is going on here? And like your parents though, they're nurses, right? I'm like, no, they're lawyers, dude. <laughs> like it's just like very not Filipino. And also like, yeah, like my like my dad speaks German and French because he was raised in Europe. My mom spent a large majority of her upbringing in Saudi Arabia because her parents live there. So like, I'm not saying that like because of that, like I'm very detached from that. Like we uh, at home, we we celebrate all the you know cultural holidays and and we partake in a lot of like Filipino out uh, you know activities, going and stuff like the big picnics outdoors and stuff with the big you got the big huge lechon on the table. Um, so you know it was weird because there's a lot of also Filipino immigrants in Canada. So when, when I was growing up, I met a lot of Filipino immigrants in high school and, you know, they were like the polar opposite of me. You know, they were like rocking the red, white, and blue and yellow, like track jackets all the time. And they were like, dude, you come into the court today, play basketball. I'm like, no, I have to go to fencing practice, dude. <laughs> I have to go play with swords instead of balls. But yeah, no, it was, it, it was strange because I, at a lot of the time I'd be like, am I even Filipino? <laughs> like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like uh, the term was, what are they using? Crazy rich Asians, banana, right? Like you're Asian on the outside, yellow on the outside, white on the inside kind of thing. Yeah, I think she called herself a coconut. Brown yeah, coconut. Outside. Yeah, I think that's more accurate. Yeah, like brown on the outside, white on the inside. Uh, yeah, but it was really weird. Yeah, having that growing up. Actually, I hope you don't mind. We're kind of getting a little deep here. <laughs> yeah, go for like, it. What, like, did, um, did that ever bother you? Like, did it kind of put you in a bit of like an internal conflict like for you you have no problem with your own identity you're pretty confident in who you are and especially in your household and your family but kind of you know doing things that are unlike the filipino stereotype like you know tell us the full the full tea like did it ever become like an issue where you're where it bothered you. Yeah. It did. Um, yeah. Like there was a point in my life where I would get really frustrated because I wasn't good at the stereotypical Filipino things. I was like, I, I can't dance, dude. I can bust a really good Macarena, but like, I cannot dance. You know what I mean? And like, 
I couldn't sing. And, and like the basketball thing really bothered me because everyone on my high school team was Filipino. And then when I tried out and I didn't get in, I was like, cool. And I was like, even the shorter Filipinos got into the team and I didn't, you know, like this yeah, five foot two dude got in and I was like, how are you the point guard? Anyways. So like, I, I would get that a lot. And be- because of that, like it led me to like kind of internally dislike the ones who were more Filipino than me. And then I would like talk to like my non-Filipino friends, like my, like my Chinese friends be like, look at that guy. Like, why are you wearing, why are you wearing a jacket that says Filipinas on the back? Like we get it. You're Filipino. But then I was like, wait, why am I getting mad? That's like, (laughs) I should be on the same side as you. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was like, I had a lot of like conflict with that, especially in high school because you know, when you struggle with your identity and stuff and I was always like, what am I kind of thing. So yeah, it definitely caused a lot of conflict in that sense. So it sounds like you're overdue to come and visit the Philippines, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I have so many relatives there and I, and I miss all of them. It's been like over a decade since I've seen most of them. So definitely that. And I just miss like, you know, waking up bright and early in the morning, getting to Ho. One of the few things I'm like can genuinely remember from my time there 10 years ago. Well, maybe well, we'll have the Filipino Fridays live show in the, in the Philippines and then we'll like do a thing. I would love that. That'd be sick. Yeah, is not too far away. Fortunately, now, especially here in Vancouver, locally, there's a few other places you can get to hot now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way you don't feel like it's too far away. It's not it's not the same, though. It's like, not. There's you not have like some old dude just like with his stand <laughs> rolling outside your door. You know, I have to go all the way to like middle of Surrey to get relatively decent Filipino food. It's not the same because you don't have it's the guy not, yelling the whole exactly. <laughs> part of the experience. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us about that. I mean, what's really interesting about like your upbringing and your, um, I guess, growing up is that it doesn't have to <laughs> fall under the stereotype. Like there's mm-hmm. more to us than just that. And how, you know, when people kind of, when people identify us as less than Filipino, it creates that conflict of like, okay, well, maybe I don't want to be. It pushes you into a negative headspace. And so like for us in Filipino Fridays, um, in this podcast, along with my co-host, we definitely like heavily, heavily um, talk about really just bridging the gap and connecting each other and just try to understand each other and not, you know, kind of like, oh, you're not Filipino enough because like you don't know how to speak the Galog, right? <laughs> like, oh, you're not Filipino because you like grew up here or you, you were born here, right? So for us, when we're put in that space, like, okay, yeah, I can't sing, I can't dance, I can't play ball. <laughs> like, dang, like, am I Filipino? Who am I? Yeah. Like, it, it puts us into this um, into this negative headspace that's completely unnecessary if we just identify and just show love for each other, just like that Bayanihan, that community spirit, um, that like really just showing love for our fellow Filipinos all over, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, and it's it just really just provides another layer and shows that Filipinos are more than just the exactly. you know, yeah. Yeah. How about you guys? Do you guys have any other questions? I'm still stuck at the beatboxing part. I'm just like, dang. I know. I'm like waiting to get all the questions out of the way, and then we're going to just let him just go nuts on the way. I'm way. just like, am I, at, am I at a rave right now? Am I, am I at a rave in the park right now? Come on. 
So lastly, we like to do like a little trivia. Um, uh, and so, you know, you obviously mentioned um, kind of the things that you weren't able to do, let's say when you were younger, but if there was, and it doesn't have to fall under the Filipino stereotype, like in general, if there's one talent, one skill that you wish that you, na- you innately have had, um, what is it? What would it be? Um, okay. I, and this is actually something that would help me in beatboxing, but I've always, uh, I mean, like it would also lead me to be good at singing, but I've always found it so interesting when people have perfect pitch and they can just completely like identify like, oh yeah, that's a C sharp. You know, I think that is because not only does that then make you, uh, you know, good at singing inherently, but it's like you have like this next level ability of like being able to produce music because you know what notes you need and what 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 fits perfectly because you and you just internally know that so definitely perfect pitch is something that would happen plus it would like totally hollow my beatboxing because everything would be in tune all the time like i've met beatboxers who have perfect pitch and like dang they're like it's like it's just like listening to normal music because it's like there's no there's practically no musical errors in it because they have perfect pitch um that I, and like i guess is, does it count as a talent or skill to be like 511 that'd be nice i'd like to be taller <laughs> Um, that'd be, that'd be great. Just a couple inches more of height. <laughs> okay, a lot of people beat on that with his 5'11 self. <laughs> brother's even taller. How tall Sandro? Um, OJ, what, is he 6'1 now? Yeah, he's a tall kid. Yeah, tall Dude, I am barely 5'7. <laughs> that was on my um, in our dating episode, a lot of the guys were like, damn, I wish I was a bit taller, but you know, it's that Asian thing, <laughs> that Filipino thing. <laughs> the amount of girls on dating apps will be like, I'm 5'8", so no short kings. And I'm like, hey now. And like, why does height even matter, dude? Like, I will... I would date a girl who's 6'8", dude. I will climb you like a tree. It doesn't even matter, dude. Like... Anyways. I love it, I love it, I love it so much. Now let's t- let's turn it into a dating episode now, right? No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Everybody, if you wanna hit up Vino, <laughs> drop into his DMs. Don't matter if you're tall, girl. He'll climb you like a tree. <laughs> I am a koala, dude. I'll do it. Yeah. Do you mind plugging? Uh yeah. Uh, planning your social media so our listeners can find you not only just to sh- you know shoot your dms up but also just like if they're <laughs> but also if they're interested in like talking to you about like maybe being a mentor for beatboxing or asking for resources please tell our listeners where they can find you yeah um you can find me on youtube just type in vino beatbox you'll see either my own channel where I upload, I don't upload that much on my own channel. It's usually just submission videos for competitions. Um, but yeah, find me on YouTube, Vino Beatbox. You'll see all my battle videos, a couple of stuff on my own channel. Um, hit me up on Instagram at Kuya Vino. Yeah, very Filipino username because at Vino is taken by like this mom who uploads wine pictures. Anyways, so <laughs> hit me up at Kuya Vino on, uh, on Instagram. And that's pretty much all the socials I have. I have TikTok, but like... I don't post on it. I just like watching TikTok. But yeah, hit me up on it on those on those platforms. You can see my beatboxing videos, the boots and cats. All right. Thank you so much, Vito. Ladies, y'all already know the guy's in his mouth. <laughs> oh, dude. If, if I had a nickel for the amount of because t- I like I don't like putting it like I don't like being like, oh, 
I'm a beatboxer. I'm like the best beatboxer in Canada. Like that's so lame. That's so lame. So like, I'll just put like, also I sometimes beatbox in my, in like my Bumble bio or something. And the amount of, the amount of times, the amount of times that I'll get a girl that's like, what does that mouth do? And I'm like, get out of here. Get out of here. You need Jesus. Stop that. Also, that's not even how it works. Do you want me to just beatbox on you? That doesn't, that's not how it works. I mean, it, it, if anything, if anything, this skill results in longevity, not quality. All right. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Just think. You got some facts. I'm just thinking of all the DMs you got just saying that. I'm like, wow, to have, to be a guy and just get that. Yikes. It's insane, it's insane dude. <laughs> What that mouth do? <laughs> but then that's it. That's all you are. You're just a mouth to them. That's it. You're just an object. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna give you that. I'm gonna give you that. You can't just be a mouth. You know, it's like you're a person. Or a I'm more than a too. mouth. <laughs> I'm more than a mouth in the sounds it produces. <laughs> oh lord, oh, that's so awesome. That's so much fun. Thank you so much. Thank you again for jumping on our podcast. And of course, you know, we gotta right? leave our listeners with a little bit of a treat. <laughs> You know, um, and of course, if you could please just give us a few glorious minutes of some awesome beatboxing. Take it away, Vino. All right. All right. All right. I know that you like EDM. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Can you share a little bit about your like prep routine? I think I asked you. But yeah, if you don't mind like sharing a little bit about your prep before you get to, um, you shared some really neat stuff when we, our icebreaker call. So yeah. Yeah. This is going to sound so ridiculous, but when I, so when I go, before I go on stage, sometimes more often than not, actually. So I don't drink any soda, no alcohol, obviously, but I, um, specifically only drink, like I don't drink cold water. I have to drink aloe water to keep my larynx like lubricated and my lips nice and soft, lots of lip balm. Um, I also drink milk, like homo milk because it, it forces your body to produce more mucus so I can get like deeper sounds like, wow. And then, uh, sometimes in like dire situations, I'll eat like a sour patch kid or something because sour, sour candies like will force your tongue to salivate more. So you're constantly lubricated and yeah. And then I also brush my teeth before I go on stage. Gotta have a clean mouth because like, dude, sharing a mic with someone that is like essentially made out with it. And like, you can wipe it on your shirt, but there's still like leftover food and like saliva on it. And you got to put that on your own mouth. So it's like, I got to make sure at least my mouth's clean. So that's, that's part of the prep routine. Also mouth like stretches and warm but yeah, <laughs> that's the diet, the battle diet. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, okay, we good, we good, man. We're trying to give the viewers, the listeners, some ear gathering real quick, you know. All right, so with our very special guest, Vino Cueca, comes in hot, some bars. Take it away. All right, EDM. Kicking up a raven up a less party.
listen to the rhythm. Bring the beat in. Bring it down. Odie Bass God. You know who you're messing with. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us again. You know, really, really appreciate having you as a guest. Thanks again for having me.